scripture is uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. And I'm reading from the Common English Bible Translation. People were bringing children to Jesus so that he would bless them. But the disciples scolded them. When Jesus saw this, he grew angry and said to them, Allow the children to come to me. Don't forbid them, because God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. I assure you that whoever doesn't welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. Then he hugged the children and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Good and gracious God, we give thanks for your spirit that saturates our world and fills our lives. And we pray that through your spirit, we will hear your word for us today. Amen. So I'm pretty curious uh, what y'all think about this scripture, or perhaps if you all think about the scripture. I mean, my guess is that many of us love this passage, because, I mean, after all, it's so comforting, right? Jesus scolds the disciples for keeping the children away from him. Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to children, and he hugs them and blesses them, because, I don't know, Jesus loves kids. It's great. And it's a far cry from the previous passage that Bianca preached on last week, where Jesus was talking about plucking out eyes and getting thrown in the fire, today is a way different vibe. Jesus isn't asking us to give away all our wealth or leave our family to follow him. Today, Jesus is telling us to welcome God's kingdom like a child. <laughs> and as someone who loves acting like a child, this sounds like great news. But what if we actually went through life with the faith of a child? I mean, the, the faith of a child is not complex. It's pure. It's simple. Children don't care about things like sacramental theology or works-based righteousness. Kids just believe what they're told. That image of childlike faith is actually potent because kids are naive. That's a big part of it. I mean, kids legitimately believe that a fairy sneaks into their room at night in, in exchange for old teeth, leaves them on average $3.70, according to a 2013 study by Visa, which makes me, I don't know, uncomfortable to know that Visa's studying how, anyways. Kids believe because they trust their parents. It's, it's a beautiful naivete. It, it's because they haven't learned the cruelty of the world. They haven't been lied to. They haven't been taken advantage of. So they can believe without a trace of cynicism. But I'm not a child. I, I, I mean, I know how the church has hurt people. So I know the racism and sexism and lust for control that's endemic in the church, so I can't really just get up here and tell y'all to have faith 
in the church with, like, the unquestioning trust of a child. And I know too many faithful people who watched loved ones die despite their most ardent prayers. So it feels like I can't get up here and tell you all to put aside your questions and your disappointment and just believe. The faith of, of a child works out great for children who don't yet understand the complexities of the world. But it almost feels dismissive to tell an adult an adult to ignore their questions and just trust Jesus. And that said, I, I do recognize that, that this is just one of many different metaphors that Jesus uses to explain the kingdom of God. As Bianca said last week, these metaphors are not meant to be taken literally, but they are meant to be taken seriously. So while I do recognize Jesus isn't telling us to literally act like a child, I want to take this seriously. And, and I just am not sure how, aside from suggesting that we have faith, of the faith of a child. Or I, maybe I should say I didn't know how um, until about three years ago when I was with my friend Christy, who told me about this thing she noticed in this passage. Christy's a a professor at Villanova who studies the spirituality of children. And she pointed out that there are two ways to read this line right here. Whoever doesn't welcome the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So, it could be that Jesus is saying to welcome God's kingdom like a child would welcome God's kingdom, to have faith, have childlike faith in God. So in this reading, the word like describes the similarity between our faith and the faith of a child. But there's another way to read this that's like equally accurate grammatically. It could also be that Jesus is saying to welcome God's kingdom like you would welcome a child into the world. In this reading, the word like describes the similarities between how we welcome God's kingdom and how we welcome a child. Just based on the the grammar, it's unclear what Jesus meant. It could be that we're supposed to have childlike faith, or it could be that we're supposed to welcome God's kingdom in the same way we welcome a child into our lives. And And one of the things that would probably impact the way that we understand this passage depends on what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of God. I actually, I happened to, when I was in seminary, my first semester, I took a class. The whole class was on the kingdom of God in Mark. It's really handy this week. The, The first day, the prof came in and said that he should have titled the class the reign of God, but he wanted to make sure that everyone actually knew that the class was on the thing Jesus calls the kingdom of God. But uh, the reason he liked that word reign was because Jesus uses the word kingdom as a political statement to challenge Rome. But God's reign, as Jesus describes it, isn't a political kingdom. It's God's way of being for all people where justice, 
peace, and love are a reality. So this refers to God's future for humanity, like what we read about in Revelation 21, where heaven comes down to earth. But God's kingdom isn't only in the future. As Jesus says, God's kingdom is among you, inside you. God's reign breaks into our presence. So, for example, when Jesus preached and healed and embraced those society had rejected, he welcomed God's future into the present. God, or Jesus welcomed God's way of being into the world by tearing down boundaries of politics, race, and class that separate us from one another and separate us from God. So today, actually, the other term that is used for what Jesus calls the kingdom is kingdom, because it's a better reflection of the kind of society Jesus envisioned, a, a shared community of equals who serve one another. So God's kingdom, or God's way of being, is a, a future reality that's available to us now, we just need to welcome it like a child. And that is where my friend Christie's interpretation of our scripture was so helpful to me. Because how do we welcome a child into our life? Well, it starts with longing and hope and expectation and uncertainty about this life that's yet to be born. And then when a child is born, it's entirely dependent on its parents. It's vulnerable. It, it can't survive without love, care, and devotion. Yet despite its, its utter dependence, a, a baby is its own being. The life of a child is, is far beyond our control or our expectations, which of course brings wonder and joy and pain. Welcoming a child into our life, it, it asks of us, it requires time and love and patience and forgiveness so the child will grow and mature. And, and that's a metaphor that better helps me understand how God's way of being, God's kingdom, is made real today. And some of that's just even my, kind of my experience. Like, I have yet to show, or I've yet to see God show up in, like, big, dramatic ways where I just sit back and believe, and then God makes justice, peace, and love a reality that transforms our hearts and transforms how we relate to one another. I, when I've seen God's way of love become a reality, it, it didn't just happen. Or it certainly didn't arrive fully formed. It, it starts as a hope of what could be. It, it requires faith, not so much the faith of a child, more like the faith of someone who's loved a child. Whether or not the child was their own, whether or not they were fortunate enough for the child to care for the child until they reached maturity, it, it requires the faith of someone who knows how much work, how much risk there is in loving a child that will grow into their own person. Where I've seen God's 
kingdom grow and mature, there's, there's almost always a community of people who, who stick around for the long haul as they're transformed by their love, by their mistakes, by their faith, that God's way of love can be made real today despite what feels like seemingly impossible odds. And, and I know I'm getting a little bit abstract here, so I, I want to put a little flesh on this. I, I believe God's kingdom is made real all over the place, in, in big ways and in small ways. And I was thinking, I've got to give some examples of this. What, what does this actually look like? And, and the first thing that I thought of was the civil rights movement in America. But not just the, the dramatic moments, like, Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech that he delivered to a quarter million people in Washington. I think of the early days at the Highlander Folk School, 10 years earlier, where ministers and activists like Dr. King, Rosa Parks, and John Lewis were trained on both the, the theology and the strategy of how to welcome God's kingdom. I think of the years of uncertainty and determination that it took for the movement to grow and mature. But it's not just big famous stuff. I mean, I, I thought of my friends at L'Arche and their testimony of how their lives have been transformed by loving and being loved by adults with intellectual disabilities. I, I thought of the story I've heard again and again from people who work there, about how they show up expecting to serve those in need, only to learn how deep their own needs are, and how these people they thought they were going to serve came to serve them as well. And, and I thought, again, to sort of bring it down to the even more everyday level, I thought of a friend of mine who not some time ago, found out that a close family member was involved in some just horribly exploitive stuff that, that just seemed like more than anyone could bear. It, it was the kind of stuff that would cause most of us deep shame if anyone knew that that that, that was in our family. But my friend didn't run from it. They shared their grief and their pain with their community. And then they cared for this ailing family member who'd done so much harm to them. They treated the person with love and grace. And, and as we sort of talked about this, my friend shared with me that it was only possible because he'd spent 20 years in a community of people who, who saw them at their worst, and proved over and over again that, that there was no shame too great for them to bear together. And, and I think it's important to be reminded of these stories and reminded of the, the lifelong process of welcoming God's kingdom into our lives. Just because it can be hard to, to walk through life and believe that, that God's way of being is possible today. It can feel, it can feel safer 
to believe that it can only exist in a future beyond this life. But what I see in the scripture, what I see in Jesus, is God incarnate welcoming the presence of God, welcoming God's kingdom in our midst. And I see that today all around us. And it might not be fully realized yet, but that's because God's kingdom is born into this world in ways that seem impossibly weak and small, in need of our care. That, that birth evokes love and compassion in us, and that's how we receive God's growing, blossoming presence. Today, it might feel impossibly small or impossibly slow, but day by day it grows, bringing us joy and courage and hope and faith that even tomorrow it will be just a little bit more real. Because God's kingdom is near, asking that we welcome it with the love and patience and determination and grace that's deeply embedded in us. May it be so. Amen.